April 30, 2004. It's a Watt from Pedro Show.
I gonna fly? One, two, three. from Bedro Show. 
That was Listenship, live in my pad, Pedro, with a song called Dragonfly. And I have a member of Listenship, the Love Grotto here on Pleasure Point with us today, Miss Heather Lockie. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Brother Matt behind her. Welcome. Uh, we started off the show with John Coltrane, Wise One off Crescent. Me and Brother Matt just came back from a movie, the Rodney Bingenheimer Mayor of Sunset Strip. Yeah, Pedro High School screening. I hadn't been in Pedro High in maybe... <laughs> Many moons. Maybe, yeah, almost 30 years. <laughs> That's a long time. I uh, told Brother Matt this story once. I think it was 11th grade or something, and I was driving with some buddies, smoking all this Moten stuff. They conked out, and I was getting tired, so I, I don't know why. I mean, I was a younger man, and stronger stuff was working on my senses. And for some reason, I went and parked right up in front of that auditorium, right on the grass under the tree, and conked there. And I mean, this is 1974 or something, so not as heavy with the police, but I mean, I can't believe it. It just conked right there. And so it was a little stroll down. Memory lane for me. Uh, Heather, that was a song that you recorded. You recorded a bunch of songs for me to learn. Yeah. I, I did the first batch with them, maybe eight songs last summer. But uh, when they came to show me these, I had just gone over the handlebars on my bike, and I was crippled. Little, little wing. So I wasn't little able wing. to help them with this. But you guys... I guess it was these four songs plus the mate for an album, right? Yeah, we keep uh, we haven't gotten the album done yet, so we keep writing more songs and think, well, we'll just put this one on the record. And I don't know, it just keeps getting longer and longer. So we put a moratorium on on writing until it's done. <laughs> no more songs. <laughs> Any new uh, newer songs being written? We'll have to wait for the next album. Yeah, we're going to do some EPs, maybe. Like, we'll choose the good ones from this recording. We'll put your stuff on it, for sure. And and uh, then, then we'll Remember have some Remember that purple EPs. bass I used? Yeah. I don't have it now. What happened? Well, the guy took it back. Oh, really? Well, well I gave it back to him. I used it on a gig in San Francisco. It was one of the worst gigs ever. My guys begged uh, me to give it back. They didn't like the sound. It's... Too modern sounding. Who are you and stuff playing like with? This. My organ trio with oh. Pete and Jer. Oh, and it was one of these gigs that we were doing an arena tour with Chili Peppers. And in between, Flea said, Go get some gigs and pads. So we play this place called uh, Cafe du Nord. Oh, yeah, I like Cafe du Nord. That's a good place. S heavy stairs to schlep gear, though. <laughs> they gave me some really heavy cold medicine ones. Oh. Save well, me. the Hammond B3 is very heavy and lugging that thing down. <laughs> And up the stairs was no, uh, luckily Pete and Jer are longshoremen and younger men than I am. So you don't have that purple bass? No, he's got it oh, up there in Spokane. The guy who made it is. Oh, I, uh, love the, was, I love the inlay on it. Uh, oh, yeah, very pretty and everything, but yeah. the sound, just too modern, too much like piano. My guys mm -hmm. couldn't hear the, the voice in mm -hmm. it. It was good for our record. I liked it a lot. I was just, oh, yeah, but you guys was good. have a lot more room. Listenership for you that don't know, though, I played. Few of your songs on my show before. It's just a fiddle, acoustic guitar, 
and Michael Whitmore plays guitar or vibes or whatever. Vibes or uh, brushes on a mm-hmm. snare. So there's a lot of room. It's not a like aggressive power yeah, trio thing as yeah. much. And, Although and it, it keeps getting more and more complicated with the stuff that we're doing now. We we keep kind of it's it's really hard to keep things simple. You know, especially if you've got millions of tracks you can use. Oh, yeah. You know. That <laughs> it looks like one of them Hieronymus Bosch paintings. Yes. Well, I was speaking of more was room for the sound of the bass uh, to be heard. Mm-hmm. My guys couldn't hear me. They, they had so much bottom end and real snappy high, and the head didn't really have a mid-range. Oh, I see. So the way it is with the organ, you know, having a lot of low end and stuff, they were... Well, like I said, it was one of the worst gigs we ever did, and part of it was because they just couldn't t- take any lead hear. from me, and uh, they were just so used to the bases made of Philippine mahogany. I, I got another one, a blue one that I'm getting together right now, maybe a couple years newer than this red one, but the red one, the action is getting so high, like that's why I use that purple one with you mm-hmm. guys, because you had I had all these things up on the neck. Up, up means closer to the bridge, and uh, the action. I mean, I could be a bowman in uh, Robin Hood's Band of Merrymen. <laughs> so does that mean your neck's just moving, like it's curving? All, all necks do. That's why you have a truss rod to adjust. But I can't adjust a truss rod because when it was somebody was uh, quote helping unquote me and dropped it and snapped the neck off so he said oh I'll get it fixed and he had a boatwright friend of his do it but boatwrights don't know about truss rods so this guy mm-hmm. marine epoxied over the truss, truss rod nut so you can't adjust it <gasps> so wood instruments are going to change because humidity yeah, is yeah. so the bow I can't get you got to have some bow or, or the frets will buzz but I can't yeah you don't want it to be too hot so what, what happened was this cat found me on the internet the guy from Pittsburgh and he sent me a neck from a maybe early 60s EBO. And so what I'm going to try to do is graft the new neck onto this uh, uh, body, you know, oh, the red wow. one, little Gibson. Because Gibsons, they're not like fenders where the uh, necks are bolted on, they're glued on. So we're going to have to, you know, the thing's 40 years old, so we're going to have to... Use steam and stuff and get the old neck off wow. and then graft on the new neck. That's so weird for me. I, when you have a, a problem like that on the viola, you just file the bridge down and lowers the action of the strings. Ah. Because the neck's so short, we mm-hmm. don't have to worry about the the bowing kind of. Yeah. Look. Well, a bass guitar has about 400 pounds. A four string has yeah. about 400 pounds yeah, of yeah. torque on it there. So. Especially these little guys, you know, they're, they're short scales and uh, kind of stressed. So um, I got another bass coming. It's supposed to come to me next Friday. Uh, this guy named Frank out in Connecticut had a bass made for me. Wow. Some guy up in uh, <laughs> Northern California uh, named Frank uh, made me a bass. It's sort of like a uh, fashion after a Fender Jazz but with a... Uh, Short scale neck, so we'll see how that is. Yeah, I've got a few bases that people made me. Which is well, somebody made nice. you the purple one, huh? Someone made me the purple one. Someone made me uh, one that looked like my old Telecaster base. Tim Thalen did. Darren Huff. Is it Darren Huff? No. Uh, 
Yeah, I think it was. Darren Huff made the one, the purple one, Spokane. And uh, it is a pretty base. Yeah, I like, I like Part of it is these exotic woods. The symbols. woods, they make these things out of nowadays. High-tech sounds. They sound like pianos. Kind of. It's hard to get a mid-range voice in out of them. That's more suitable to my uh, kind of Jack Bruce <laughs> type of thing. And my guys are just so used to that, playing that, playing along with that, that, like I said, it was hard they for them to take it. any lead yeah. off me. And so it was a rudderless ship. Well, I played there rather acoustic. Than I don't know. I don't know what Cafe du Nord is like for an electric band. Yeah, it was, it was kind of small. It's like a cabaret kind of yeah. thing, a lot of curtains, we so it was kind it of a dead sounding room. <coughs> but. Uh, Hey, a poor carpenter blames his tools. It was a crap gig, though. Man, I felt so bummed out. You can read about it in the diary. <laughs> so, on the hoop page, you want it. Uh, you picked this next song here, Michael Whitmore. You want to tell us something about it before uh, we it's play? It's a cover. Uh, I don't know who did the original. I, I know the song, but uh, I don't know the original. I, like, I've heard it before, but I don't know who did it. Um, but I like his cover of it. He's uh, got kind of a guest. Usually he sings by himself, but he's got this girl singing with him. It's a really cool kind of duet. Yeah, Michael's an excellent classical guitarist. He's, uh, he's pretty good on the vibes, too. He didn't yeah. really play vibes before he started playing with us. We just wanted a vibraphone player. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we asked him if he'd do it. and He's like, well, you know, I can't play. <laughs> So he had to learn it. But he had he had the vibraphone, so you know we figured it'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, he's an excellent musician. He's, Been he's around really in good. the LA he's scene amazing. a long time. Yeah, he doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Well, we're going to give him some should, attention yeah. right now on Watt from Pedro's show. Yeah. 
Do I have to explain this? This is not dope. All right, you know what it is. An Indian cigarette called a share BD. The lepers roll them for uh, <laughs> for nothing, <laughs> just to feel good doing something. You know, I are. <laughs> A leper roll that one did a lousy job. <laughs> and the guy who made this lighter <laughs> must have been another leper. <laughs> Trouble. I had my camera and took the shot through the shop window. And a rather tall, ugly lady, neck bent forward, ran out of the shop. What are you doing? she asked. What did you photograph? I photographed the naked mannequin, I told her. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't take any more photos, she said. All right, I said, and I walked down the street with my camera, with her staring after me. I felt guilty and upset. Upset even though I had done nothing really improper. It usually happened to me at least once a day. <laughs> I turned, dropped to one knee, focused and photographed her. She waved her arms and screamed, and I shot her again. The trouble with these people is that their cities have never been bombed and their mothers have never been told to shut up. <laughs> How did I ever get in a fix like this, looking at all these faces? You know, if you think I look bad to you... Competition. We live by the harbor now, and at night the ships often blow their fog horns. She is a light sleeper. She will leap up, sitting straight up in bed. Damn! What is it? What is it? I thought you farted. <laughs> Not that time, dear. She is a good child. Living with me has dysfunctioned her nerves. <laughs> Actually, I like to save up my farts for the bathtub. 
Those gray bubbles waft up a magic stench. Farting is much like fucking. You can't do it all the time. But when you do, there oftentimes comes a feeling of proudness. As if your artistry in the act were a rare and precious thing. I fart more than I fuck. And I fart better than I fuck. And I am pleased to be mistaken for a foghorn in the middle of the night. What from Pedro's show? That was Mr. Charles Bukowski with an excerpt from his album Hostage. Did you ever see that record, Heather? Mm-mm. I think so. He's on stage with a refrigerator full of beer. It was done at the Sweetwater. You done though, huh? I think 1980. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the gig went on as long as he had beer. When he finished up the refrigerator <laughs> worth, the gig was over. Before that, we had um, Marshall Ball with the Facts of Life, and we started with uh, Michael Whitmore with uh, Laudanum and Liquor, which is his variation of leather and lace. Uh, you pick something here by a band called Deer Hoof. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us about that? I don't know anything about Deer Hoof. I, just, I have a couple of CDs at home, and they're really amazing. They... Oh, I think they have like this Japanese singer. Yeah, a little bass player. I saw them at the All Tomorrow's parties. They're really, really good. They're one of my favorite bands, they but I don't know anything about the them. Hold, in the hold where we did. Hmm. One stage was in the boat in the Queen Mary itself, and one was outside. So I was outside oh, with wow. the Stooges, but with George Hurley, I was in the stern part, a few decks down, and Deer Hoof. Yeah, Maybe oh, two bands cool. before us. The b- band before us was a guy named John yeah, Wesley yeah, Wesley John Harden. Mm-hmm. He wrote me an email the next day. Oh yeah, yeah, sweet guy. He does this trippy version of uh, like a prayer. Yeah, like the, 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 folk, the folk thing going right. Yeah. He also does a good cover of Rocky Erickson. Uh, if you have ghosts, oh, he's wow. a trippy. He's an Englishman, but I think he lives in Texas. Not mistaken, but he's a cool cat. So Deerhoof, you don't know him, but you like their CDs. I like them. Were they? They're up from nor- up north. They might be. I from know they tour here north. a lot. Yeah, I don't think yeah, they're they from be. Japan. <laughs> they might not be. <laughs> but I think they have a Japanese singer, so they sound. Yeah, really, she's really little really and plays bass. And really, yeah, trippy drummer. He only had one cymbal. He had a Kano set, maybe three drums, one cymbal, mm-hmm. not even a hi-hat, I don't think. It's pretty Kano. Mm-hmm. I dug him, and they had angular kind of Sonic Youth stuff, a lot of... But uh, what record is this from, a compilation? It's from uh, my friend Charles, who lives in New York, and he does this Christmas collection uh, compilation every year under the, the guise of Hadley Flinger, and uh, he's done two compilations so far, and... They're really, really funny. They're amazing. But he doesn't number the fucking tracks on the CD, so... 
Yeah, Charles, the CD you gotta, has you no gotta number your tracks on the, the next compilation. Yeah, I was just complaining about that, these people being artistic with their uh, CD packaging, and that like they never write the songs on the CD themselves, or if they write the songs on the well, he does booklets, like, his own art. He he got these amazing cave people for this last one. And the, the wow. picture on the back is this. They're all girls. Cute little cave girl with her big wood stick. Club. Club, yeah. Looks plastic. Yeah, he's... Kind of a Flintstones. Is this him? No, that's Marco. That's our friend from Italy. Okay. He's another artist. You can see the... Is he... That's Charles in the... The photographer. Ah. uh, (laughs) Subliminal way of easing himself. And sort of like this movie, you could tell. The guy who made this Rodney movie puts himself in it. And his band and his... Well, Charles is... Self-promotion. He's very subtle. Okay, so uh, then here we go with some... Deerhoof on the Watt from Pedro show.
do a song now from our Private Changes album. Somebody uh, had the bright idea to name something. Dan Morgan and went down to the website. Simply some space land or something. I looked at this paper and I saw Ann Morgan. I didn't know what that was. You know? I wrote the song, but they said it was a group. It was a trip to me. Anyway, speaking of trips.
from Pedro Show. That was uh, Arthur Lee in Love, live. That was Arthur's big return gig after he got out of jail last year. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and a uh, song called Morgan. Uh, before that, Bob Mould off his uh, Modulate record, uh, Come On Strong, Bob with Synthesizers. And we started with the Eyebright Burglar, Bugler, sorry, <laughs> the Eyebright Bugler by Deerhoof. Now, Heather uh, is playing with Arthur Lee. T- tell us about that song. You uh, like that, right? You didn't yeah, know who they were song. as a kid. And you got asked to do this gig, and you didn't know about Arthur Lee, but yeah. when they played the music. Yeah, I put on the record that they sent me, and I was like, I totally know this guy. He was, I, I didn't hear a lot of rock and roll when I was a kid. And uh, we, we mostly had classical or easy listening hits in my household. And, uh. So I managed to hear that song like at the grocery store or gas station or wherever we were in public and so that was my orientation point. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so, Oh, I'm playing with So a what cool was it hero. like when you first played with those guys? You you <laughs> came really in as fun. a replacement, right, for somebody. Um Substitute? I guess nah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend Julie, who's a violin player in Texas Mafia and in Waco, she was going on tour with Waco. Therefore, she couldn't do the Arthur Lee gig. She had been hired to do the violin. So she called me and asked me to do a viola fill-in for her, and then they ended up liking the viola as well as the violin, so we both ended up playing with... That's what I saw at the uh, House of Booze. Yeah, yeah. Patty Bone. Yeah. We're doing a benefit for Arthur's friend on on Wednesday. Oh, wow. Where is it? It's at the Knitting Factory for his friend Scotty, who's sick for... So somehow he's sick, so we're doing this big benefit for him. Oh, that's good. So correct. Arthur Lee Knitting Factory wins. What's it like playing with Arthur Lee? Um, it's fun. They're all really nice people. He's, he's much more together now, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know what he was like before. I mean, I knew he shot oh, well, guns I, off of. One time, me and Raymond went to a gig where he didn't get one song out. Somebody gave him mushrooms, and yeah, he, well, he he's just was laughing. This was at the coconut teaser finally the drummer stood up and threw his sticks at him and ran off the stage (laughs) drummer was the guy who booked the club (laughs) so uh well mike randall who plays guitar with him says he's been fired like six or seven times the baby uh, lemonade (laughs) guys yeah because that's the core of the band the the rock part yeah but arthur's always been really cool to deal with i mean you can tell when you should stay out of his way well he was helping arthur tune arthur was having a time tuning at that gig (laughs) But uh, yeah, we we could have we played at uh, the Great American Music Hall recently, San Francisco, a couple maybe a month and a half ago or two months ago, and the string section. There's like we play the album and then we leave the stage, and there's like five or six or eight songs depending on how long he plays that we don't play. So we went downstairs and we were just hanging out in one of the little dressing rooms underneath, and and the Great American Music Hall is really confusing and, and all of a sudden we heard our cue coming from above and we're like oh no we have to be up there playing <laughs> so we all had our shoes off and we had high heels on and whatever and so there's like this line of women like running down these hallways like click 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 <laughs> trying to find the, the entrance to the the stage and we couldn't find it spinal tap and <laughs> it was so spinal tap <laughs> have you so heard we, of this band called the darkness uh-uh. there's a band out band. of england and they kind of do a 
Spinal Tap. Thing. Oh yeah, pretty funny. And he could have fired us after that show, and he, he was he was having a good night, so I don't think he even really cared that we snuck on stage halfway through the song. But... Oh, so you didn't make the head? No, of the song. we didn't make the. No, no, we heard the song playing, and then we had to find the stage. Oh, okay. And I just remember I like you all said these ladies' the feet in front of me, like with high heels. Some people were barefoot because we really were not ready to go on stage, and it was just total disaster. But actually, we, we we didn't. We made our cue. We just didn't make the beginning of the song. So we didn't play till like halfway through the song. You didn't make your appearance. Right. That's okay. <laughs> Does he have another tour coming? Um, I keep hearing various things. It's possible. Yeah. I guess Love I, was a huge band in L.A. during the 60s. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, it was great. And they had some trippy singles that made it on AM radio, like 7 and 7 is. Mm. For no backbeat, mm-hmm. I mean, for a pop song. It's really. Uh, yeah, they were. You guys do that song, right? Um, I don't with them. The band. Um, but I think they're. That's a great it, song. Yeah. Little Black Book. Little Red, Little Red, Red Book. Book. That's a great tune. Yeah, they're. It's really fun doing that. Red Telephone, too. Mm-hmm. He's got two red songs. Yeah, he's quite a individual. He's a character. We got to record with him, too, in the studio. And What'd you guys do? Um, we did, what's this song? An album? Rainbow in the Sun. That was just like a, a demo song. Oh, okay. But Arthur communicating with people is really an interesting experience, and trying to understand what he's saying is... Interpret? It's it's a little His challenging vision. sometimes. Um so we were, all the strings were like in front of the mics, and he was convinced that I knew what he was talking about. He'd be like, "Okay, Heather, just you know, do this and this here, okay? You know where I'm talking about here, right? You got it, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, Arthur." <laughs> so I look honest. at the string players, and I'm like, "I have no idea what he's talking about." <laughs> so we'd we'd get Rusty, one of the Baby Lemonade guys, to come in and interpret for us, and he's like, "Okay, hang on a second. He'd run and he'd talk to Arthur, and then he'd come back. He's like, "Okay, here's here's what he wants." So. uh then we'd do it, and it was fine. And So then all the string players left to go get a drink, and we took Rusty with us. But we didn't realize that the horn players would probably need him as, as like, an interpreter for, for Arthur speak. So the horn players, I guess, like... Were lost. Had a really difficult time in the studio. Cause well, we that Kidnapped the interpreter. <laughs> Realizing the vision is half the war. Fun. <laughs> Well, we're coming to the end of the first hour of the Watt Pedro Show, April 30, 2004 edition. Uh, we got stuff from your label next. Uh, so, uh, and then the Brother Matt Spin Cycle. Yeah, yet another. With the new rig. With the new rig. So hang tight. April 30, 2004. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, guest in the studio with Brother Matt myself is Heather Lockie from far away Echo Park. How far is it from Pedro? Pretty far. 25, 26 miles? Are you talking about miles or minutes? Well, that depends uh, on the time of the day. <laughs> Sometimes hour and a half. I, I don't know how many miles it is. It's about 26 miles. All roads lead to Pedro. Yeah, we know because we have to make the hike. Yeah, you probably don't come down to Pedro too much. One time you rode the uh, pedaling route. Yeah, yeah, that's around here, isn't it? <coughs> yeah, it's I part of it. Remember? Yeah. 
There's Land's End. See, Pacific Ends here. Yeah, we here, call this Sunken City. Over here's the big hill that you went down, and I. Well, further down, Royal down Palms. There. Yeah, you didn't. She I wouldn't didn't go down, down that one. Royal Palms. No. <laughs> well, going down ain't so hard. <laughs> I'll tell you, I got changed up the route because the sun rises so far in the east now. So I go to the fireboat house first, and I have to come up bluff. That's a oh. cardiac. I mean, that angle is so intense. If oh, you pause, you'll f- fall over. Yeah. Got to just keep going. Do you ever have to walk it up? No. Wow. You just gear down low, but you got to keep pressure on because you'll just tip over. The angle so uh, intense. Wow. But you, you know. Since last, almost now a year, I've been paddling. So you have to try that. Although we don't have kayaks to rent, so we have to do it in Long Beach. I've done it there with people. I've done it with Raymond. Raymond got his walkie-talkie suit. Do we need a wetsuit? Well, the idea is you don't get wet. (laughs) Yeah, but you might get cold. And in Long Beach, no. Once you start moving those arms, believe me, you don't get cold. And look, this is Southern California. They don't uh, open up the rent thing till 10 a.m. anyway, so you ain't crack a dawn paddling like with what? <laughs> it would be more morning. And I tell you, once your arms get going, you're, you're not for I'm lacking. Have to so people think this. the same thing with bike riding, you know, that you're going to get all sweaty, but man, the wind blowing on you. So people are too afraid yeah. of cold or what? But every time you bring up paddling, they think you're going to roll over. Right and drown, <laughs> but especially in Long Beach where you rent these things, it's in a place called Belmont Shore, and there's an island in the middle called Naples, and it's a totally enclosed bay, so there's no waves. I mean, the only way you could tip over, especially if you get your paddle in your hand, it's like a balance bar, so you mm-hmm. don't really have to worry. I swear, if you do I'll, it once, I'll you'll do see. it. I'll try it. It's a lot more Sounds calm fun. than a canoe. Canoes tip over a lot easier. I've never yet. Oh, yeah. Tipped over, and I'm the most uncoordinated person alive. <laughs> my mother got me clay as a boy because I'm such a spaz. She thought it would help my coordination. <laughs> Obviously, it did. <laughs> <laughs> she had me building uh, little models. Well, all this stuff to try to get eye to finger coordination. So I walked funny and stuff, and I got bad joints. That's the problem. But I'm pretty uncoordinated, too. Yeah, I am, too. <clears throat> and I'm just I'm telling you this because... It's not so scary paddling a kayak, well, it especially really if I fun. can do it. At first, you don't have the confidence, yeah, so it's kind of scary because you've never been in it. Well, I, I did windsurfing. That's a lot harder than kayaking. Yeah, it was, it was a lot really, harder. really fun. You have to be strong. Yeah, I wasn't that strong for it, but uh, I had a good time. Just standing up on them. I see them yeah. practicing down in yeah, uh, Cabrillo. Well, I didn't do it in the ocean, God. And that's a different situation. You didn't do it in the ocean? in the lake. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, they do it here. When they are learning, they're doing it inside the breakwater. And just to get the standing up is so much. I think they've got the dudes with the kites now going off. Right. Oh, I've seen yeah, those. That wild. Yeah. yeah, they do flips. They do it right off here. Total air. Right over here, uh, a yeah, block from Brother flies. Matt's. Because the way the wind comes across the point is just perfect. Wow. In fact, windsurfing... Probably in a lake is maybe even easier because you don't have as big waves. It wasn't hard. It was pretty, pretty yeah, fun. But in the ocean, it's tougher because you, you're dealing with mm-hmm. waves and currents. Yeah. And with the paddling, I mean, I was, I've been out in rough sea. Usually if it's rough, I don't go out. But when, I remember when I got my house in for my camera, I was very excited. I wanted to get pictures of them seals out in the one-mile buoy. 
So I'm going out there no matter what, man. And it was every wave was breaking over the bow and soaking me. Okay, hey, there's a bone phone, brother man. So, but usually if it's rough, I stay inside the breakwater. In this place where you ran them in Long Beach, for you people who don't know, Long Beach is a town next to Pedro, just east of us. In between us is Terminal Island. Did you hear about the container blowing up yesterday? Dave hmm. Frist? Yeah, my guys were, work, you know, guys, second men are longshoremen. They were working down there, and somebody had propane in a container, and it blew, it, blew up. Where blew was it? Blew the lid off at the docks. At the docks? Oh, my God. Yeah, and then they couldn't find the manifest, so maybe a security problem. <laughs> but I'm just glad my guys weren't hurt. Yeah, Keep that's jail. pretty um, scary. So, you have a label. Yeah. Well, okay. it's not my label. It's You're part of a label. Yeah. Okay. You want to tell us about, like, what's its name? Oh, uh, well, it's called True Classical CDs, and uh, it's, like, mostly local bands from the L.A. area. Um, we get together and meet and put out records. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah. But is there kind of a, you know, a theme to the label, uh, kind of a credo, whatever? Really vaguely. The I committee, mean, but there's, like, a committee that the votes theme, on The what? theme of the label keeps getting tested at every is it classical music no no it's it's not at all is it's, it true classical music it's like oh that's like kind of a that's steve from Satire. waco his, his joke on on the real jazz label i guess so yeah so he, it's kind of a sad that was, that was his idea of uh <laughs> now the ding dong a little joke but uh we kind of originally thought it would be good to have only records that had acoustic instruments on it like traditionally classical instruments but incorporated into different kinds of music but you know there's a lot of stuff that we we probably will end up putting out that doesn't really adhere to that like saccharine uh, trust is gonna put out something with us that ape thing that i played yeah and i mean ape has killed ape they you know their first record they had a lot more non-rock stuff on and then their their second release is is a lot more the one i have you know thrasher kind of detroit yeah and they're synthesizers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's loose. Okay. Whatever. So, uh, the, the name is a misnomer. <laughs> yeah. Erotic misnomer. We, we get What's it like running a label? You know, you know nowadays um, that almost anybody hard. can start one. But It's really hard. I mean, yeah. we've, you know, we worked for a couple of years and didn't have distribution, and then we got distribution. That's so the hardest part of it. It's really label. hard now because now you've got, like, all these things that you could do if you had the money to do and you don't have the money to do so you have to kind of be really creative and um you know we've now we've got we're distributed through burnside and they do the national thing for us but now we need money for the record stores and the retail end of it and we don't really have it so what about the internet uh we've got a website devin from crib does our website you know, you want to give the link? So we've got, oh, it's uh, www.trueclassicalcds.com. Just spelled normally, True Classical CDs. T-R-U-E-C-L-A-S-S-I-C-A-L-C-D-S.com. Yeah. We've got some MP3s up there. And, and the label, I mean, the, the website, we sell quite a few records through that. Yeah, so that's course. something you that know, wasn't it's, it's there very, in the very cool. when me and Dee Boone started later. Oh, yeah. Like I was telling you about Bob yeah. Mould, we put out the first Two Skidoo album in 1981. And the toughest part was distribution. 
yeah, you know, now we've got what we asked for, and we're like, what what the hell do we do with it? And, you know, I know what we should do with it, but we can't really do that, so we have to be really creative. Now, we're going to play something uh, off your label here. Uh, Danny Frankel, who I saw last mm -hmm. week at the Hayden Sisters yeah, yeah. Uh, gig. And I hadn't seen Danny in a while. He's drummer. He's played with a lot of cats. He's amazing. I think he's Silver Lake he's, or Echo he's Park. Right? Yeah, he's amazing. He's Los Feliz, I think. Los Feliz? Okay. Yeah. Close. And, uh, God, he's played with Lou Reed. He's played with a lot of cats. <coughs> Who's people. he playing with now? He's playing with he's some... Frank, street. I think. Not Frank. Um, Katie Lang. Katie Lang. With. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. Sort of like Frank. <laughs> Canadian <laughs> version. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be on our next sampler. I love Frankie. Uh, Danny is soft P hard C <laughs> she goes back to Nervous Gender I don't know if you know about that band she, it's only I girls are playing he's uh, played a long time though no no Frank oh she Frank. Uh, she was the only woman to ever play Nervous Gender which was an intense band in the old days mass days uh, for a while there they had a nine year old drummer from Sweden oh. and got deported <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were bizarre. <laughs> I mean, they were one of the most intense bands for me coming from Arena Rock to see Nervous Gender. What was their name? The, 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 the main guy died a couple years ago. He was an artist guy, a Latin guy. Gerard? Gerardo, I think his name was. Hmm. He's a very sweet guy. But they had songs like, uh, you know, Jesus was just like me, another cocksucker from Galilee. He's a homosexual nymphomaniac. I mean, I'd never seen people be so out. You know, I was a fan of glam and stuff. My first gig was T-Rex. and But these guys were very upfront and confrontational. And it was intense for a guy from Pedro to see them. Made a big impression. And Frank, uh, she used to sing a song with him called uh, My Mommy's Chest. It was intense. <laughs> The whole band, one of the most strange bands. But that's when you could go to a punk show and not really know what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. The bands, it was such an unpredictable genre at first. No one really knew what punk was supposed to be. You know, there's some pictures from people in England and stuff, but it was a really a mind-blow thing for me. Had a profound effect. It was trippy, that gig with the Hayden girls. Uh, it was in Chinatown at this oh, art yeah. gallery called Furthermore or something. Yeah, Furthermore. And uh, I hadn't been night. in that neighborhood in over 20 years because where I parked my boat was right next to the Hong Kong Cafe, which was a trip. That's where I saw, mm -hmm. I think one of the last gigs I saw there was the Germs on New Year's oh, show. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot happening in Chinatown now, I guess. And, uh, well, it's not called Hong Kong Cafe now. It's called uh, Sam Gage Company or something. Mm -hmm. It was trippy. I stood in the cart. It was in a courtyard, you know, part of Chinatown that's not streets. A little court thing, and I was just, all these memories came over me. I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I, I took L accidentally on purpose. <laughs> I lost, tripped my brains. I was with Joe Biza. I remember, you know, all Baracho too, and uh, I was only 22 years old or something, 21. And after the gig, I remember talking to Darby about Pedro. It was a really big thing for me to talk to people about Pedro because, you know, I came here when I was 10, and 
my whole world was Pedro, and here I go to this scene where, like, nobody knows about Pedro at all, you know, because L.A.'s so big and spread out, yeah. and people had seen it on signs and stuff, but nobody really knew about it. I remember talking to Dario about Pedro and stuff. I even got to him to yell it on the stage, and, you know, it was, like I said, Baracho and not really together. But after the gig, Joe Baiza took me to the Hong, Hong Kong Cafe, which is, used to be in Little Tokyo, and they service these eggs, I remember the eggs were really white with really yellow yolks. Maybe it was sunny side up or something. And it freaked me out, and I just hollered and ran. I think <laughs> it, I left Joe Bice, I think. And so I get in my, I had a Volkswagen at the time. And I get in there, and it looked like there was about 12 layers of freeway. I didn't know which layer I was on. So I just pulled over on the side, sort of like the thing at the auditorium. I just pulled over on the side. This was on the Harbor Freeway, which in those days was just Route 11. It wasn't I-110. And I just pulled over there and, you know, tripped my brains out for like six hours. And like no police came by or anything. We just saw the side of the road. So you ditched Joe Biza at the... I didn't really ditch him. I hollered and ran away. I became afraid. I had a, an experience like that the last time I... I did that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I think this was. I was in Japantown oh, too. And something about restaurants and acids. It's not a good mix. Yeah, our food. No, no, people and food and having to. It order. was a second because the last time I did it was maybe a year later at this uh, desert gig, where Einstein and Neubaum played. Maybe it was a couple years later, and uh, there was this German band that played machines. And then the Mark Pauline, the research people, came mm -hmm. and had these machines mm -hmm. that oh, destroy yeah. themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah. 20 shotguns. And, yeah, it was really freak out on me, too, so I, I never did any more of that. <laughs> it's been <laughs> many years <laughs> of that. But uh, I had all those memories rush over me just being there. Anyway, I saw Diane Frankel. Yeah. And uh, we're going to play a song by him called The Birdcage here. And you want to tell me something about this? Uh, well, what this is a, a record. This is uh, called "The Vibration of Sound," and it was Danny's uh, first release on True Classical. And oh, it's his, it's, it's really album beautiful. Album. Yeah, it's got Woody Jackson, Joseph Hammer, Pablo Calojero. Well, you know what? He gave me Doug an album Wieselman that was and 11, uh, oh, all about purple right. or something. It's also got zebra finches on Do it. Do you know about this? Hmm? He gave me an album he made before. Every almost every song had Jupiter. Yeah, New Moon on Jupiter. Yeah, and every yeah. song's got Jupiter somewhere in its title. <laughs> is that album after this? That was before this. This is before he started working with us. I that, think that's his Jupiter record before, before this one, yeah. Okay, so this is his first true classical record. Yeah. Okay. It's a great record. I love well, here's record. Danny Frankel and The Birdcage, Watt from Pedro Show.
Uh, Wad from Bedro Show. That was um, Destroy All Monsters with Board. I wanted to play Little Boyfriend, but <laughs> it was song 12. I'm not a 
angels of the greater Jerusalem Baptist Church. We not only speak to Baptist people tonight, we not only speak to the Methodist people tonight, Church of God in Christ, Catholic, or no particular denomination, no particular city, but tonight we speak to the whole nation.
gon' shake your ass When the night is so tied to the mass
2004. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. And uh, starting with this uh, show here, we're starting a new adventure with Jack Flanders. Uh, This is part one of Somewhere Next Door to Reality. Yes. Good morning. Is it? It's me. And why is me calling this early in the morning? Me thinks me needs your help. Ah, Mojo. What time is it? Time for a croissant. Gosh, you get up so early. Where are you? I'm here. And I'm supposed to guess where, where here is. If you think you're awake enough. I could guess this in my sleep. <laughs> you think so? Sure. You're in Paris. Hey, how did you do that? Like the music, the sound. Isn't that a bit obvious? Yeah, I guess that was a bit obvious. But let me ask you this. Is it so obvious that you are so obviously wrong? I am. you got the right squeeze box, but you squeeze it into the wrong place. Oh, all right. Well, how about Marseille? Nice try, but no. Are you calling from a cafe? It's a club. And you have a gig playing piano then? That's right. And the name of this club is... Lucky Pierre. (laughs) Why did I ask? Okay, so you're not in France. Not even on that continent. But where you are, they speak French. Oui? Oui, oui. I doubt you're in Morocco or Algiers. No. You're probably north. Now you're getting warmer. But not the North Pole. That's way cold. And Eskimos don't speak French, but... Well, actually, there are a few that do. You mean like up around Hudson Bay? Ah, you're getting warmer. You're in Canada. Hey! Quebec. Hey, hey! Okay, then you're either in Quebec City or Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. My mm, guess is... Montreal. Oui, oui. Are you in the old city? You Montreal? Oui. So what's going on? Man, you got a taste of croissants they have up here. Well, I'd love to. Uh, how's the coffee? Dark Frenchy roast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why are you tempting me? There's some weird stuff going on up here. Yeah? Like what? Like people fading away. You, you don't you don't mean dying? No, just fading away. Mojo, what does that mean? That means becoming transparent until they disappear entirely. Transparent? You can see right through them. You don't mean psychically. You mean physically. You can see right through their bodies. What do you see? You see what's behind them. You mean as though they weren't there? Yeah. 
except they are there. Is it like seeing a ghost? Yeah, except they're as real as you and me. Have you asked them what's happening? No. By the time you realize what's going on, they've gone. Just poof? No, not like poof. It's more gradual. Mojo, you're saying that they gradually become transparent until... Until what? You can't see them anymore? That's a theory. Well, what do you mean? I've never seen anyone just sort of slowly disappear. Well, then whose theory is this? My friend's. And your friend is... Uh, Dominique. Ah, how French. Yeah, there are a few of them around. Yes, I know. You've been up here, right? Montreal, of course. This time of year, in the late summer, it's really pretty. Yeah, swarming with American tourists. Nah, not that many. Okay, so tell me more about your... Your transparent friends. Well... Not everyone can see it happening, you know. You know, speaking of you know, you know, I'm on my way up there. <laughs> I figured. Okay. Now back up and give me the specifics. Well, there was this woman, Renee. She's like Dominic's best friend. She'd come into the club, and this one time I saw her sitting there, and then I looked over and she was like going in and out of focus. But Mojo, you weren't seeing through her, were you? I think she was... Flickering. What? You know, flickering in and out. In and out of what? Reality, man. And whose reality is that? You know, your everyday normal reality. Mojo, there's nothing normal about reality. I know that. I'm just talking about the reality most people think is real. Okay, so give me your definition of reality. You know the writer Philip K. Dick? Yes, sure. He said, reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. I thought so, too. Okay, so how many people have you actually seen uh, flicker away? Well, I haven't seen anyone flicker away, and I can't say I've seen anyone fade away either. But they disappeared. That's right. Well, how many people that you know of have, have disappeared by, by flickering or fading or, or whatever? I've only known one. But I've heard about a couple others disappearing that way. So what happens? They, they just vanish? Now this is where it gets really strange. Stranger than this? Oh, yeah. Dominique shared an apartment with her friend Renee. She said that a week after Renee disappeared, she began to notice things being rearranged in her friend's room. Y you mean furniture? No, little things. Personal items. Like her cigarette lighter wasn't there, and then it was there. And ashtrays were clean. And then filled with butts. Oh, right. They, they do smoke a lot up there, don't they? Well, of course. They're French. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, go on. So Dominique started to note where things were. And sure enough, sometimes Renee's keys would be there, and then they wouldn't. You know how that happens. I do. You set something down and turn around, and it's not there. Then an hour later, you look, and it's there. Why is that? Good question. Mojo, you saw one person flicker, but you've never actually seen anyone fade. So all of this is based on, on what your friend saw. I saw through someone just yesterday, man. A woman. She was on the sidewalk across the street. The streets up here in the old city are narrow, you know. So across the street is pretty close. Yeah, what happened? I thought she was really good looking. Looking sharp. Nice dresser. That's why I stopped to sort of admire her, you know. Mojo, Mojo, walking, Mojo, just tell me what happened. Well, there was a street musician, and as she passed him, she stopped for a moment, like, to say something to him. 
And while she was standing there... I could see right through her. And you're certain? Oh, yeah. What did you do? Well, it took me a couple of seconds to realize what I was seeing, and I stood there sort of seesawing. What? I was thinking, did I just see what I just saw? And by the time I realized I did see what I saw, she was gone. God, just poof. No, man, no one poofs around here. They puff a lot, but no poofs. <laughs> okay, go on. I figured she'd gone around the corner. I walked up to the corner and looked up the street, but she wasn't anywhere. So she vanished. Well, there were some shops, there was a cafe, but I didn't see her in any of those. So you definitely saw right through her? Oh, yeah. That's what I saw. I love this. So, when are you going to arrive? Well, I'm... looks like I'm getting close to the border now. Hmm. You should be here in about an hour. Yeah, well, where will I find you? Let's meet at the Café Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge? It's on the corner of St. Paul and St. Vincent. Ah, two of my favorite saints. <laughs> Is that in the old city? That's right. Okay, listen, I'm about to cross over, so I gotta sign off. I'll see you later. Okay, ciao. Ah, crossing borders always makes me nervous. Especially knowing they can detain you, strip search you, stand you on your head, do just about anything they want with their nasty little rubber gloves. Well, here I am. Where do you live? Uh, New York. What's the purpose of your trip? Vacation. How long are you staying? Well, just a few days, uh, a week maybe. Is there anything you'll be leaving in Canada? No. Have a nice time. Well, thanks. Hmm, it wasn't bad. Oh well, I guess any country that has a big maple leaf on its flag has to be doing something right. As Mojo predicted, exactly one hour later, Jack pulls up before the Café Moulin Rouge. Of course, there's nowhere to park, so Jack eventually finds a lot, pays the attendant an arm and a leg, and walks back to the café. So, Mr. Mojo, I presume? Pull up a chair, <laughs> traveling Jack. Hey, how are you? Monsieur, qu'est-ce que vous désirez? Um, uh, cappuccino. Yeah, cappuccino, okay. Do they always address you in French first? Oh, yeah. And if you answer in English, then that's what they'll use. Oh. French is the first language spoken here. But you don't speak French, do you? <laughs> Very little. <laughs> you know, there are Quebecers that live here, and they don't even speak it either. You can get by just fine. Don't they say bonjour around here? Salut. I thought that was goodbye. It's also hello. You mean the same word means hello and goodbye? That's right. Hello, goodbye. It's a very short conversation, Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder what people from Paris think of the French that's spoken here. <laughs> I'll tell you about it sometime. Mm. Are there many Americans up here? You mean tourists? Not really. But you can spot them right off. Yeah, why's that? Because they're the ones that talk real loud. Like, do you speak English? <laughs> and what do they think of that up here? Well, how do you feel when someone talks to you like you're some cretin? Yeah, I see what you mean. I figured you would. You know, it's been a long time since I've been up here. I like it. I figured you would like it too. These old stone buildings, the 
the narrow cobbled streets. I feel like we could be sitting in a, a sidewalk cafe in Paris. I mean, don't you feel as though you've stepped into a time warp and, and suddenly found yourself in some old European city? I know what you mean. Stepping into old Montreal is like stepping through a portal and into another time. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a Disney recreation without the lousy music. <laughs> Except that this is real. The people out there on the street and in those shops aren't actors. No one's pretending. Mojo, you know we're all actors. <laughs> That's true. Everyone's playing some role or another. But most people don't want to admit that their reality ain't all that real. <laughs> Do you think it's a matter of not admitting it? I, I don't think people even know it. Uh, you got something there. In fact, I wrote down the thing I came across. Let's see. By not quite accepting, because they do not please us, things that are so, we spend our entire lives making meaningless gestures somewhere next door to reality. Uh, uh, run that by me again. By not quite accepting, because they do not please us, things that are so, we spend our entire lives making meaningless gestures somewhere next door to reality. Huh. Who wrote that? Someone by the name of Nan Shin. You know, it, it reminds me of something Mark Twain once said. It ain't what they don't know that hurts them. It's what they do know that ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice down-home way of saying just about the same thing. Yeah. Your cappuccino? Oh, thank you. Anything more? Oh, no. This is fine. Separate. Mm. This is excellent. I asked Dominique to meet us here. Dominique. Sounds slightly French. Yeah, there's a few of them around here. You know, years ago, I traveled around Quebec province, and back then, out in the countryside, French is all they spoke. I was amazed at how many didn't know or, or even care to know English. <laughs> I know what you mean. You know, it feels as if a chunk of Europe just broke off and floated over and, and attached itself to upstate New York. Montreal also has a few black people. You notice that? Yeah. I assume they're descendants from those that escaped slavery in the U.S. Probably came up to Canada on the Underground Railroad. That's true of some. But a few years ago, they decided to allow people from French-speaking countries to immigrate to Quebec. So you'll see a scattering of black people from Haiti. Huh. Haitians? Really? Yeah. They speak French. Well, of course. They got some fine Haitian restaurants up here, too. Really? Uh oh why don't we... Is that her? Well, that's her. Dominique, over here. How did you know? It's easy. She looks French. <laughs> <laughs> I think it may be the beret she's wearing. Hey, man, I know this great hat shop. We got to go there and get us both berets. Well, when in Montreal. <laughs> Salut, Monsieur Mojo. Salut. Jack, Dominique Bouchard. Uh, Dominique. This is my friend, Jack Flanders. Bien sûr. Um, I, I... Do you not speak French? Oh, poorly. Sal American. But Mojo doesn't speak French either. No? Mojo. Tu me comprends, n'est-ce pas? Why, sure. Si. Well, he may understand it, but he sure doesn't speak. Franchement. For Mojo, you do not have to speak. 
You only have to look into his big, dark, gorgeous eyes. Yes? <laughs> oh, come on, brother. Hey, you're embarrassing me. I know. Garçon, garçon, un café et un croissant, s'il vous plaît? Un numéro deux pour la grande dame. Faites sa vie. Je suis pressé. Okay, guys. Let's get down to it. Wait a minute. You, you just... Yeah, I can talk just like you. So, what do you think? About... What's going on? Um... Mojo told you. Uh, you mean friends becoming transparent and then disappearing? Of course. Well, it's pretty far-fetched. Isn't it? You know what I think? I think they are still here. Here in Montreal? Where else is here? But you can't see them. If I could, they would be real, right? Well, even if you can't see them, it doesn't mean that they're not real. Exactly. <laughs> Mojo, I think I need a little help here. Well, I don't disagree with Dominique, but I don't agree either. He doesn't know. Well, that makes trois of us. <laughs> I think they're somewhere else. They may have crossed over, but maybe not totally. Crossed over where? Well, maybe through some opening, or maybe it's something like a portal, or maybe it's sort of... What are your maybes, Mojo? <laughs> maybe. Well, then, maybe that's what I'll call you. Maybe, Mojo. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. But when it turns out I'm right, what do you call me then? I'll call you Mr. Damn Lucky. <laughs> She's impossible. You think so, Jack? Um? Am I impossible? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I see. We have an I don't know, man. A what? I should have known. Maybe Mojo would call his friend, I don't know, man. <laughs> you don't know Jack. <laughs> hmm. Votre café et croissant, madame. Merci. Avez-vous des confitures aux framboises? Mais oui. Is she always like this? Sometimes she's worse. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about me, are you? Only when your back is turned. <laughs> Jack, you mind if I smoke, don't you? Well, actually, if I have a choice, I'd, I'd prefer that you... Thanks. You Americans are too obsessed with your health, no? Oh, no, not obsessed enough. You think so? I read somewhere that America has the largest number of overweight poor people in the world. Of course. Your food is your country. Fast, fat, and no taste. Do you agree, Jacques? Um, Mojo, help me here. Uh, Dominique, Jack's up here to help us. <sighs> ah. Hmm. So, you have questions? Yes. Now, how many people have you actually seen fade out? I do not like that expression. Well, transparenticize, whatever. They do not fade. They don't? They fuzz. Fuzz? You mean fuzzy out? <laughs> no, fuzzing out. Uh, what does that mean? Their edges, their outlines become fuzzy. So when you look at them, they become blurry? Yes, but from the Outside, in. Ah. You mean it's not something that's done to them. They do it to themselves. They become blurry. Fuzzing. Okay, fuzzing. And then what? They become transparent? Exactly. Mojo, is that what you saw? Well, I, I suppose there was some fuzzing. <laughs> but remember, what I saw only lasted a few seconds. I'll bet they were fuzzing. But you couldn't see it. Okay, fuzzing. But look, Dominic, we have a law of physics to consider here. Why? 
Do the same laws of physics apply to every dimension? <laughs> I have no idea. I think there's a portal or an overlap or maybe a crack in dimensions. But is that what happened in the club when, when you were playing and saw... Uh, what's her name? Renee. Right. Saw Renee become transparent. I'm just tossing out ideas here. Look, what if she already was there, whatever there is, and was being projected back to here, back into the club? Is that possible? Of course. Yeah, he's right. There's been cases of where someone like, uh, like some Indian holy man projected an image of himself to other people, and they could see and talk to him, even though he's in some other city. Or even another country. Or in another dimension. Oh, that I'm not sure of. It's being in two places at the same time? Exactly. I like that. I told you he was good. Pierre. <laughs> so, what do you need to know? What happened to Renee? We don't know. Well, was she involved in, in some exotic cult, maybe? I mean, isn't there a cult up here whose followers believe Earth was seeded by aliens and, well, they'll live forever? The Raelian movement. Rael is actually Claude Verillon, who was taken to the planet Elohim in a flying saucer and introduced to Jesus, Buddha, Joseph Smith, and Confucius. <laughs> nice crowd. <laughs> as far as extraterrestrial religions go... I hear they're fairly benign, but they're kind of out there. But Renée was not involved with the Raelians or any cult. If she were, I'd know. Well, tell me more about Renée. She believed there was another city. Another city? Another Montréal. Where? Here, Vieux Montréal. Another old Montreal. Where? Right here. <laughs> I don't understand. One day, Renée was in Place Chacartier. And she saw another city. That's the square, you know. It's Limely Cafes, just, just a couple of blocks from here. So the city just appeared before her? Yes. What did it look like? It looked like Place Jacques Cartier. <laughs> so? It looked like Place Jacques Cartier in Vieux Montréal. <laughs> Dominique is saying that the city looked like old Montreal, except it was different. I see. I know I don't. Did this city disappear and she found herself walking in whatever it is? No. Apparently, it was like superimposed. Ah. So she saw both cities at the same time. Ah, that's right. Did it ever happen again? Yes, two more times. Uh, always the same place? No. Once by the Basilique Notre Dame, another time while she was walking up to La Commune. That's a street that runs down along the river by old port of Montreal. So all of this happened within a few blocks of each other. Vieux Montréal only has a few blocks. All right. So what did Renée feel about what she was seeing? She wanted to go there. And you feel she succeeded? Of course. Why do you believe that? She told me she could see people walking in the street that others could not see. Aliens? No. People from somewhere else. You mean just walking among us? Yes, except that she believed they could not see us. Hmm. Was Renee psychic? Yes. Mojo, what do you think? Man, I'd sure like to see that city. But, Dominique, what makes you feel that, that Renee discovered a way to get into that city? I saw her fuzzing. You could actually see through her? Yes. 
But did you ask her about it? The first time, I didn't believe it. The next time, I asked her. She said she wanted to leave. And that's all she said? A week before she left, she said she'll be all right, don't worry about her, tell her friends. Just tell them that she stepped across into, into this other city? Yes. I told them, but they think I'm crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine why. So, what will you do? Well, I, I, I don't... I think I need some time to think about this. Okay. I have to go. Salut. À la prochaine. Salut. Whatever. Ciao. <laughs> that evening, Jack and Mojo go for a stroll in the Place Jacques Cartier. This square slopes downward from Rue Notre Dame to the old port of Montreal. It's quite a lively gathering place during the warm summer months. The square is lined with sidewalk cafes. There's art displays, street musicians, jugglers, all kinds of activities. And as Jack and Mojo stroll along, they even discover a Peruvian band of all things. <laughs> well, they're a little far from a home, aren't they? I don't know if the city brought them in or if they live around here. People think Montreal is all French. But you'll find people from everywhere speaking all kinds of tongues up here. Yeah, but, but everyone speaks French. No, man. There's Anglos living here that only speak English. Really? Is that possible? Sure. Like back in the early 1970s, they say only 40% of the Anglos living here could speak French. Yeah, but most of them left for Toronto and, and other parts of Canada, right? Well, that's true. So what about the separatists? Do you think they'll ever split Quebec from the rest of Canada and, and make it into a separate country? Hmm. It's looking less likely all the time because there's so many immigrants who call this home. The last time it came to a vote, it was mainly those non-French who voted against it. Hmm. They're growing in numbers while the French are shrinking. Well, why? They moved to other parts of Canada where there's more opportunities, especially for the young people. Now, this is like out of some French film. What's that? Well, that blind man sitting over there, playing his accordion. Ah, I see him around now and then. I like his dog. He's real sharp. Yes, it's a beautiful dog. A, a yellow lab. Oh, yeah. They're five. Here, let me put something in his cup. Uh, Marjo, you gave him a quarter. Oh, come on. That was two bucks. Mojo, I heard that clink. That wasn't two dollars. Man, you don't know anything about Canadian money. Look, see this coin? That's a two-dollar piece. Hmm. Oh, very nice. Listen, I got to get over to Lucky Pierre's and tickle some ivory. So you're on your own. But I haven't even checked into my hotel. Where is it? It's right down the rue here. St. Paul. St. Paul is the hotel? No, man. That's the rue you're walking on. The hotel is the Nelligan. Nice place. I booked it under your name. Stop by and see me sometime. Hey, hey, where's Lucky Pierre's? Down in the cellar. Where? Ask the concierge. Salute. Yeah, well, same to you. <laughs> Bonjour. Puis-je vous aider? Um, I have a reservation... Jack Flanders, a New York. How many nights? I don't know, at, at least a week, maybe two. No problem. 
Can you give me a no-smoking room? The hotel is non-smoking. Really? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Oh, yes, this is a nice room. Great view of the harbor, the river below. Not bad. <laughs> so, Jack... People becoming transparent, fuzzing out. If it is true, and I think it is, where do they go? Well, with a little luck, I just may find out for myself.
Robot from Pedro Show. Uh, that was a couple of uh, bands from Kansas. That right there was Slight Pieces from Manhattan, Kansas. A song called As If. And before that, we had a band from Lawrence, Kansas called Chode with uh, Who Got Ripped Off. Uh, before that was Watts Train. Obviously uh, <coughs> named in my honor. Is Todd Riccioni. Todd Riccioni used to be in Liquid Jesus and uh, he played a couple songs on the Ball Hog record, wrestling record. And uh, had the cat from uh, Soundgarden you know, on the bass. Uh, what was his name? Shepard. Damn, I can't remember his name. He's a really cool guy. But, um, yeah, he don't have the names of the dudes. Or maybe he does. Oh, God, I can't read it. There's too many words. Sorry, spacing on the air there. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, he got some ambient Pedro. Sounds Brother Matt getting ready for a big interview here. Yeah. We have a visitor. Yeah, Silvana. Yvonne? Silvana. Silvana. Yeah. Sorry. Lo siento. So. Come yeah. over to the Pleasure uh, Point in the Love Grotto. <clears throat> Go to spiel with uh, Brother Matt for a counselor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. We started off the third hour here with a new adventure of Jack Flanders in Montreal this time. It was part <laughs> one of Somewhere... Next door to reality. The show for Miami's. And uh, it's only a four-parter, yeah. so this thing will be done by the end of the month. Unlike some of our other adventures that have spanned across the yeah, months. The first one took over a year, huh? Yeah. Which actually was the first one in 72, the incredible uh, Fourth Tower Inverness. This one here was done uh, in 2002. So Jack has had a long Pretty career. Long career yeah. cool. There's many adventures. ZBS Media. ZBS.org. You want to check it out. Uh, very creative people. And people. Jack is one of their main vehicles to uh, transport you into my movie land. Uh, Heather had to bail up north. Yeah, Back cool. to her parts. She here. has students. She teaches people violin, young people. What's that, Brother Matt? It was cool having her down. Yeah. Next time, bring the viola so she can yeah, jam with yeah. you. Yeah. She's part of that whole, there's a whole music scene up there, you know, that I'm not very in touch with. Sometimes I play with them, some of them, but uh, interesting people. A lot of people, I guess, they moved to L.A., and that's where they head for, because there's other artistic people or something. Other cats like us, well, I didn't come from Pedro, but I got here early, so, hey. Homeland. We know the bottom line. It's not where you're from, it's where you're at. So, Flea got... Uh, music school up in that's right Silver Lake mm-hmm. conservatory uh-huh. he's got cats uh, teaching young people mm-hmm. it's a great thing the gift of music anyway we're going to play something from Heather's uh, the label she's part of two classical CDs uh, this is uh, kind of trippy it's cats doing uh, Kurt Vile and uh, 
you know, um, Bertolt Breck, this kind of thing. And Weba, a lady I've known a long time, she's involved with this too, so it'll be interesting to hear. This is uh, the Sailor's Tango. What from Pedro Show? Hey there, we're sailing off to Burma this evening with enough good scotch on board to float all the way. Plus a crate of great cigars, Henry Clay had it up to here with girls, so we're leaving. Cause it's time to start a brand new day Yes, it's time to start a brand new day Now we don't ever smoke other brands of cigars And this leaky tub will barely get us to Burma And we don't need that God who's up there in the stars And we don't need all these laws on terra firma So, all right, goodbye And the ship sails away And it may reach Rangoon And as for God, well... We don't get him And it may be that God feels just the same about us So let's hope he doesn't let it upset him Yeah, alright, goodbye We're off on the sea And it's who gives a damn Life's perfect Cause nothing is missing And your dreams of glory Just take them and scram The whole world's apart And we're missing Oh, the sea is blue So blue Ducks of Rangoon up ahead. Hey, wait a minute. That's just a bank of black clouds in the air. Jesus! And the waves are going crazy out there. Jesus, in another minute, the whole lot of us will be. Well, we knew we'd have to die somewhere. Yeah, we knew we'd have to die somewhere. The ship and soon the sea wash is over Nothing but sharks down there to show a drama and the way Scotch is no use to them or crates of Henry Clay Where they're going there are no girls who need a lover They won't ever see another day They won't ever see another day And the water comes up and the ship's going down And as for a harbor we don't get one just a wreck of a ship and a glimpse of a shore But of course one can't let it upset one So all right, goodbye And for once you don't hear all that big talk in the air And the big talker suddenly looks smaller And they're down on the knees and mumbling about their father who's up there 
Okay, that was the Sailor's Tango by the Eastside Symphonietta. That's S-I-N-F-O-N-I-E-T-T-A. After that, we had a we had an excerpt from the Abstract Truth, a new track from uh, Demonzarno's Crib Project. Some uh, funky stuff with the mic here, so uh, had to make do. Much respect to Brother Matt for all the essentials. Assist, aiding and abetting the spin cycle. Much respect to Brother Matt. Thank you to Heather Lockie for driving all the way down from Echo Park. Next time we'll have her back. Play some fiddle. That's going to do it for this edition of Watford Pedro Show, April 30, 2004 edition. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>